Good morning. We're in our series, What is Love? If you've missed any of the previous messages, you can always find them all at newhope.in. All of the past sermons are there. All of the past series are there. So if you want to catch up, head on over there. But don't do it right now. Do it later, okay? Um, So far, the first week of the series, we looked at types of love. And then Pastor Deal talked with us about brotherly love. Last week, Pastor Adam talked about marriage and sex. So this week, we get to talk about singles. Woohoo! Yep, that's right. <laughs> um, and what it looks like to be in the waiting for something. How many know when you're single, you are waiting? At least I was when I was single. I, uh, I had the opportunity of spending plenty of time in the waiting when I was single. Like a whole decade, at least, you know, during my 20s. Um, I always thought, I'll be married by 25, I'll start having kids, I'll be done having kids by 30, like I had this great plan, right? And it didn't happen, not even close. Um, So I I spent, um, in my mid-20s, there was about an 18-month period where my four closest friends got married, and I was like, what about me, God? And so I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and then they all start start having babies, and I'm like, God. It's like, I feel like a third wheel, you know? I mean, they were great. They were wonderful friends. They still included me, but it was still really awkward being the only single one, you know? Um, And and then it was like, all right, God, when's it going to be my turn? I'm waiting, God. And then I got a clue that the one for me was Adam. But then I had to wait forever for him to get a clue that I was the one. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And then he finally got a clue. And I don't know, I don't know where in that season it was, but it took him forever to finally ask me out. So then we start dating, and he didn't propose for 18 months. We dated for 18 months. And he finally proposes all this waiting. And I'm like, honey, I got a biological clock. (laughs) He's like, what's that? Literally, I had to explain to him what my biological clock was. He didn't know. So (laughs) I had all this time in my wait, in the waiting. And I think there's people here probably in the waiting. And just because you're um, single, maybe you're in the waiting because you're single and you're waiting for the one. Maybe you're single and God has said to you, you're going to stay single and you're going to live a life about me. And you're okay with that. But that's not all of us. Thank you, God. That wasn't me. Um, But maybe you're married and you're like, I'm not waiting on the one. I've got the one. But maybe you're waiting on something else. You could be waiting on financial breakthrough. Maybe you're waiting on a baby. Maybe you're waiting on physical healing. Maybe you're waiting on that son or daughter that you've been praying for to turn their life over to the Lord. There's something that you're in the waiting for. See, waiting is really hard, especially in our right-now culture. You know, I mean, we got everything at our fingertips. I can get on my phone and I can order something from Amazon and have it here in two days. Sometimes the same day. Actually, true story. Yesterday I was on Amazon and I was like, I need this thing. Can I get it here tomorrow? And it said, it'll be here Sunday. And I was like, they're going to deliver on Sunday. Okay, whatever. But yeah, yes, it's going to be here. I get an email this morning, says it's not coming till Monday. Like Amazon, come on. I don't want to wait. I want it today. I need it for Monday right? Am I the only one who's done that? I know I'm not. Waiting. We we pick the shortest line, right? 
Like, okay, so at McDonald's in Auburn, you know how the drive through line, like, it's one line, but then it splits to two? You know what I'm talking about? And so, like, you're pulling up, and you're like the next car, and you're like, which one's going to go faster? I, got, I, I have to commit, but which one's going to go faster? I, ooh. So then you finally commit, and you pick a line, and then you keep an eye on that card that was behind you. Did I get through that the other side before them? Because I better have picked the right line, right? And if you're in that line with Pastor Adam, do not try to scoot around the person in front of you to get in the line, because dude... That is not how the line works, let me tell you, according to him. (laughs) He doesn't like to wait either. We don't like to wait. That's why we have microwaves. That's why we have fast food. Sometimes it's not even fast enough for us, though. So what do we do when we find ourselves in the waiting? We're not the first ones to find ourselves in the waiting. Abraham found himself in the waiting. Can you turn with me or tap on your device or go to the sermon notes? And let's look at Genesis 12. Here, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and tell your father's household, or and from your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So God told Abraham, all people will be blessed through you. Leave your family, leave everything you know, do what I say, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. And at this point, Abraham is 75 years old. He's a little old. And a couple of verses before this, we found out that his wife, Sarah, is barren. She can't have kids. And God's promising to make him a great nation. God, how are you going to do that when I don't have a kid and I'm 75 and my wife is barren and can't have kids? Yet God made this promise to him several more times in Genesis 13 to 18. He continued to make this promise. Abraham had a lot of waiting to do. I mean, chapters 12 to 18, that's a lot of time, right? (laughs) So he had a lot of time to wait, and sometimes we have a lot of waiting to do. So today, we're going to look at Abraham's story, and we're going to discover do's and don'ts of while we're in the waiting. The first one is don't take control. Do trust God's ways. Don't take control. Do trust God's ways. He has a plan. He really, truly does. We find out that Sarah got tired of waiting on God. I'm sure Abraham had shared with his wife, you know, what God had promised. And she got tired of waiting. She, apparently she knew she was barren and couldn't have kids. And she didn't believe that God could fulfill his promise without her help. (laughs) So she takes matters into her own hands. Let's pick up our story in Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Just sidebar. Is that pronounced Hagar or Hagar? Is it like the pants? Hagar pants? I don't know, but you might find me saying it more than one way today. I don't know. Anyways, Sarah had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years. 
And Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. So that's what Sarah had said to do. She told Abraham, sleep with my slave so I can have a family through her. But her plan didn't quite go like she wanted it to. Because look in um, the second part of verse 4. When she, Hagar, knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And Sarah didn't like that. That was, that was a big bummer, right? So her plan, I mean, it sort of accomplished what she wanted, but she didn't plan on how she was going to feel. So in verse 5, Sarah says to Abraham, You're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Okay, am I the only one that reads this and I'm like, Come on, Sarah, you're mad at Abraham? He did what you told him to do. You told him to sleep with someone else. Like, duh. Honey, I'm not going to tell you to sleep with someone else. Sorry. That ain't going to happen. I'm not that dumb. I mean, (laughs) he did what she told him to do, and she gets mad and says, may the Lord judge between you and me. And she's playing the blame game, right? She's the one who took control from God. She's the one who didn't want to wait on his plan, but she blamed Abraham. She didn't trust God. Are there places where we're like Sarah, where maybe we're trying to help God out with his plan or his promise, and maybe it didn't turn out quite like we wanted it to? So I'm not totally judging Sarah, because I've tried to take control too, right? I'm I'm guessing I'm not the only one, but as I mentioned before, in my mid-20s, my four closest friends got married in less than a year and a half. Two of them got married on the same day, one in Indiana, one in Texas, so I could only be at one of the weddings. I mean, it was quite the season. And I kind of got a little fed up waiting. I kind of got a little fed up with going to bridal showers and weddings for my closest friends and being left alone. And I met this guy, and we started dating, and he told me I was pretty. And I'm in my mid-20s. I'd never had a guy tell me that. And I was like, ooh, I felt special. Finally, I'm catching up to my friends, you know. Maybe something's going to happen. The truth is, I knew he was not the guy for me. I knew he didn't love Jesus the way that I wanted someone to love Jesus. I knew he didn't treat me right. But I was fed up. And I had said to God, I am tired of being alone, and I don't want to do it anymore. And anytime someone tried to talk to me about it, I got mad at them. Because I knew I was wrong, but I didn't want to hear it from them. You know what love is? Love is my dad. My dad saw me going down a wrong path. And my dad said, God, let this guy screw up. He prayed a really tough prayer, honestly, because he knew that would end up in, in hurt for me, right? And it did end up in hurt, but it ended up in hurt for a moment, not for, like, the rest of my life. So my dad loved me so much. What is love? He prayed a hard prayer that caused momentary hurt, but that saved me a lifetime of hurt. That's love. That's love. So, yes, where did, it, where did this get me? Taking control, taking matters into my own hands instead of letting God do it. Yeah, it got me a broken heart. And, yes, it hurt for a season. But you know what I learned? I learned that I don't want to do it like Frank Sinatra 
I don't want to do it my way. That song is full of lies, dude. He's like, some regrets, I have a few. No, no way. If you're not following God's plan, you're going to have a lot more than a few regrets. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way, God. Your way is better than my way. You say in Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours, and my ways higher than your ways. Might have flipped those around. But his ways are so much higher. They're so much better. They're so much better than our plans. We try to make it work in our own, our own strength and our own whatever. And it broken heart and broken pieces and broken other things. That's not his plan for us. It's not his plan. See, when he doesn't tell us all the details of his plan, it's because he's wanting to draw us into a deeper relationship with him and deeper reliance on him. So God, you know, I'm one of those planners, and I want to know. Here's the plan. Like I said, I had a plan. I was going to be married by 25 and have all my kids by 30, and da 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 da. I'm a planner. That's not how it works with God. He has a plan, but He doesn't share the whole thing with me. He's not Google Maps. He's not. You know, you can punch in your destination into Google Maps, and you can. It'll give you're driving, and it'll give you. Here's your next turn. Here's your next turn. You can also zoom out, and you can see the whole the whole route. You can, you can click on a thing and it gives you step-by-step instructions. That's not how God works. He's giving you the next turn. He says, walk by faith. Let me, I'm in control. I've got a plan. I know what the destination is. He might not have even told you the destination. Maybe he did. I don't know. But are you going to trust him? Or are you going to try to treat God like Google Maps? By the way, switching to Apple Maps. Has anyone ever been Apple Mapped? I mean, Apple, one time I asked to be directions to the Philadelphia airport, and you know where I ended up? The back of the airport. There's this ginormous fence and a field and a runway. I was like, this doesn't do me any good. I need the departures place. I got to get on a plane. God's not going to do that to you. You won't get Apple mapped, but you do have to trust him. So, you know, if we had all the details that people like me want to have because we're planners, um, I think there's a couple things that would happen. One, you'd run ahead of God. Well, I know the way to go. And you'd run right ahead of him. You'd get there before you're supposed to get there. That's not going to work. The other thing is, if you had all the details, it might totally freak you out. And you'd turn tail and run. Let me tell you, if five years ago someone said, Lena, you're going to be preaching, I'd have said, Psh, no. Sorry, just spit. I'm glad that got a laugh. But seriously, God sometimes withholds those things because he knows it'd freak us out. I'm not the only one who would get freaked out. I'm sure there's other people here. So will you trust God? Will you trust that his ways are higher than your ways? Will you trust that he has a plan that's not going to send you to the back of the Philadelphia airport? Talking about do's and don'ts in the waiting. The second one is don't focus on your circumstances. Do focus on God. Don't focus on your circumstances. Do focus on God. Going back to our story of Abraham. Hagar had her eyes on her circumstances. Genesis 16, verse 6. Abraham says to Sarah, your slave is in your hands. Abram said, do with her whatever you think best. And then Sarah mistreated Hagar and she fled. Sarah treated Hagar so badly that Hagar ran away. 
Hagar's eyes were on her circumstances. And I can't totally blame her. I mean, here she is pregnant. She's probably full of, you know, hormones and pregnancy emotions. She's probably got morning sickness and she's puking her guts out. And on top of all that, she's being treated terribly. I'd probably run away too in that situation. But when she ran away, she ran into an encounter with God. Let's look at verse 11. The angel of the Lord said to her, You are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. Verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So here's Hagar. She learns that God hears. She learns that God sees. We find out later in the story that Ishmael, even though he's not the son that God promised, God's made him a great nation too. Through Hagar. Get your eyes off your circumstances. The enemy wants to use your circumstances as a distraction. He wants to shift your focus to the things on the earth and off of your relationship with your heavenly father. God hears you and sees you. Do you hear him? Do you see him? Are you listening for him? Are you looking for him? Let me tell you a couple things. Like as, as we're talking about focusing on God, just a couple of real basics on how to focus on God. Because sometimes our circumstances are so big, it's hard to not focus on him, right? So one of the things we can do to focus on God is read the Bible. This is the inspired word of God. That's going to encourage you. Get in it. Read it. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Get the Bible app. It's free. There's all kinds of versions. There's Bible reading plans. You can get an account and you can um, hook up with friends and you can do a Bible reading plan together. It's awesome. It's searchable. No excuses for not reading the word. Get the Bible app. It's free. Second way to focus on God is to pray. Because he hears us when we pray. He really, truly does. And if you don't know how to pray, that's okay. It doesn't have to be anything special. It's not like these and thous and wherefores and fancy words. I talk to God just like I'm talking to anybody else. Actually, I probably talk to God a little more intimately than I talk to most of you because he's my father. I share my heart with him. And he's ready to share his heart with you. And if you don't, if you're like, I, still, I, I just don't know if I can do it, all right, I got, an, got another app for you, the Pray First app. It's free. It'll walk you through prayers. It'll teach you how to pray. Pray first. And the third way to focus on God is worship. For me, nothing gets my focus on Jesus more than worship. So today, I like walked in here, and man, I was so nervous. I needed worship, and I needed that song. Oh, praise his name. Oh, praise his name. And it got my focus off of me and being nervous to talk in front of you. And it got my focus on him. Where's your focus? And if you need help with worship, okay, here's another app for you. Spotify, Apple Music, you could probably even get it on YouTube, worship songs. And if you're like, I don't even know what songs to listen to. Okay, well then plug in a couple of the songs that we sing here and listen to those. And when you listen to those, it'll give you more suggestions like those. And let yourself focus on your Heavenly Father. Just try it. Just try it. Just see if it doesn't help your focus. All right, moving on. Looking at things um, 
in the waiting. Number three, don't give up. Do run the race. Don't give up in this season of waiting. Do keep running the race. Abraham didn't give up. He actually pressed in further. Check this out. Look at our story in Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, this is 24 years later from when we were first talking. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So if you keep reading this part, in verse 10 it tells us what Abraham's part of that covenant was. And Abraham's part of that covenant was that he and all his males and all his male descendants had to be circumcised. Not a small thing. And the Bible says that on that very day, Abraham obeyed. How many of us can say that on the very day we told God to do something, we obeyed? Let me tell you, I I tend to argue with him sometimes. God, are you sure? But Abraham didn't. He had so much faith, he obeyed. And, I mean, you don't turn back from circumcision. That's kind of a, you're done. He did it. He didn't turn back. He committed. He said, yes, God, I'm in it. I'm, I'm in the covenant. He could have been like, dude, God, man, you've been promising me this for 24 years. Nothing's happened. My wife's still barren. I'm just older. Really, God? I don't think so. Like, that's how I would have felt after 24 years. But not Abraham. Not Abraham. He was full of faith. He was in it for the long haul. How about your faith? Are you in it for the long haul? Abraham's so, Abraham's so, Abraham's faith was so great. He's talked about in Hebrews 11. That's like this chapter in the Bible that talks about all of these greats from the Old Testament and their amazing, incredible faith. Like, dude, I aspire to that. Like, that's amazing, right? And Abraham is in that passage of scripture. And all of these people that had great faith, but even though they had great faith, the Bible says they didn't receive what they promised, and yet they persevered. In Hebrews 11, let's look at verse 39. All of these, these people that we just listed, that the Bible just listed with great faith, all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. They had faith in the promise before Jesus ever came. They had faith, but they didn't get the promise. Are you going to have faith even if you haven't gotten the promise? Because God's still faithful. Let's look at um, Hebrews, keep reading. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this great group of faith, people with faith, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Whether we finish the race or not, whether we receive the promise or not, we run the race. And we run it with perseverance. And we run it with our eyes fixed on Jesus. So I can a little bit relate to Abraham. I mean, I didn't have to wait 25 years. But, I I mean, 2009 seemed like the longest year of my life. On New Year's Day, I said to God, I have feelings for Adam. And God, I can't handle another broken heart. I mean, I just told you all about that. 
God, I can't handle another broken heart. So if this is your will, God, because I want to be in your will, then either he needs to make the first move. And if it's not your will, God, then you need to take away these feelings that I have for him. And guess what? God answered that, but not the way I wanted him to. See, the very next weekend, I was on worship team, and at the time, Pastor Adam was the worship pastor. And at the end, we circled up for prayer, and I had a situation in my life that I was so anxious about that I couldn't pray. All I could pray was, help, Lord. That's like all I could get out, because it was, I was so full of anxiety. And I asked for prayer for this situation. And Adam just instantly starts praying for me. And he prayed all these things that were like inside of me that I couldn't pray because I was so bound up with anxiety. And I was like, and I'm like bawling while he's praying, you know. And I'm trying to wipe the tears away before he finishes and everybody opens their eyes, you know. But he prayed everything that was inside of me that I couldn't pray because I was so bound up with anxiety. And it was beautiful. I was like, yeah. And I drove home that night, and I said, God, that's not fair. I told you either he had to make the first move or you had to take away these feelings. That's not making a move, and that's not taking away my feelings. God, what are you doing? Seriously, I'm like pointing my finger at God in my car on the way home. (laughs) And almost a full year of waiting ensued. So that was New Year's Day. Our first date was a week before Christmas. That was a long year. (laughs) It was a long year. But during that year, I ran the race. That year, I committed to reading the Bible in a year. And for the first time, I actually did it. Because I made it through Leviticus, Genesis, Numbers. And dude, I made it through Deuteronomy. Once I got through those, I was golden. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. If anyone's read those, you know. (laughs) But during that season, God drew me closer to him. And it was so crazy. Like there would be, you know, it was a Bible reading plan. Just, I don't know what it was. And there were times where there would be this verse that would speak so clearly to me on that very day. And it was like, God, how did you do that? I've tried to do this Bible reading plan before, and I got stuck in numbers. But this time I did it, and it was like exactly what I needed on exactly that day. Because that's God. He's just so amazing like that. Is there somewhere in your life that you've given up? You've been waiting, and you're like, I can't run this race anymore. It's not too late to get back in the race. It's not too late to keep running. Get your shoes back on. Let's go for a run. So we're going to wrap up our story. In Genesis 21, this has a happy ending. The Lord was gracious to Sarah. And as he had said, the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised. Abraham was in the waiting for 20 Five years. 25 years. And God fulfilled the promise at exactly his timing. Not, not Abraham's timing or Sarah's timing. Not my timing. Not your timing. But in his perfect timing. God fulfilled the promise. And you know what's even more amazing? God had told him, hey, Abe, you're going to be blessed. 
all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. You know what happened? 40 generations later, Jesus was born. The savior of the world. All the nations of the world are blessed through him. Because God made a way. God planned with Abraham to make a way for our salvation. That's what that promise started with. And we still have that promise today. Dude, God delivered. Would you stand with me? There's this song that I had on repeat a whole lot while I was in my year of waiting on Adam to get a clue. Um, it's, it's a John Waller song. I, I don't know if he wrote it, but it was on an album. It was in the movie Fireproof. Maybe you've heard it. But the words are, I will move ahead bold and confident, taking every step in obedience. While I'm waiting, I will serve you. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will not faint. I'll keep running the race even while I wait. And during that year, when the waiting got hard, I would put that song on. And I would recommit, God, I'm going to serve you while I'm waiting. God, I'm going to worship you while I'm waiting. God, I'm not going to faint. I'm going to keep running this race. Are you in the waiting this morning? Are you in the waiting and trying to get up the nerve to ask out that girl? Are you in the waiting for that guy to get a clue that you're the one? Are you in the waiting for financial breakthrough? Are you in the waiting for healing? What is it that you're in the waiting for today? Whatever it is, while you're waiting, will you serve him? Will you worship him? Will you keep your focus on him? Are you willing to surrender your plans? Or are you more interested in getting what you want? Will you sing this song? God will never fail you. In the waiting, he's never late. He's working all things out.